Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Aaron. <laughs> Good to see you again for the third time today. Um, but yeah, just wanted to uh, introduce myself again, just in case you had been getting a donut or something like that. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to speak to you guys today in in this portion of the of the service. Um, but right now, our incredible pastor and his family there. And I think Deep Creek, Maryland, just hanging out, having a good time, and enjoying a little bit of vacation, well-deserved vacation. So it is my honor and privilege to be able to speak with you guys today about what God's been sharing with me throughout the week. So um, right now we are in this series called Undressed, and I've been really enjoying it. I'm not sure if you have, but I know I have because it's been a very challenging series um, personally. Just it, We've been focusing a lot on relationships in general. Um, just in our lives and how we can apply biblical concepts to those relationships and and the decisions that we make. So uh, week one, we ended up talking about the difference between a man and a woman, Um, generally speaking, how men and women are very different, just the way that that they think and communicate. Um, And it was very uh, valuable information that we got to hear, just understanding that God has designed men and women differently because we are able to complement each other. So often we get tied up in the opposites of how we act, and it's frustrating whether it's in a relationship or a marriage or whatever that may be, but God has designed the differences so that we can complement each other and do awesome things together as a team. And then in week two, we talked about making Christ the center of our relationship um, personally. So Heather actually preached about how it's very important to make sure that personally that we are pursuing God and we are putting our relationship with God first, and then when we do that, that whenever we come together with somebody else, that you can together put your relationships with God um, first, and then it helps your relationship in incredible ways. And then uh, we took a little break for Breakfast Club, and last week was a little bit of an intense message, but Jared preached on uh, God's intent for sexuality in our lives. So I do want to encourage you guys, if you missed any of these weeks, I would highly, highly encourage you to check it out on our podcast. So you can just hit up iTunes and look on there because every one of these messages was incredible. Um, Just all the content that was involved, understanding um, these topics, because this is something that is a huge topic in our society today, whether um, we're listening to what our friends are saying about it or what. But the series was really, uh, we were really able to focus on what God's word says about it. So I think that it was amazing. So if you guys are able to go ahead and check that out. But today, with all these things that we've been talking about through these series, I wanted to share, um, really ask this question, why does it matter? So everything that we've been speaking about, um, our sexuality, our relationships with each other, with our friends, family, with our spouses, whatever it may be, why do these things actually matter? Why does it matter if I am doing my relationship the way that God has intended for me to do it? Like, why can't I just do what I want, right? So I want to share with you today why it really does matter. And as I was really thinking about this message throughout the week, this thought really came to me. um, It's not very theological or anything, but I was actually thinking of a dream as a child. And uh, what happened in this dream whenever I was a wee lad was I was in this little city area. I'm not really sure where, but um, 
I was just walking around, you know, doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this giant Tyrannosaurus Rex just pops out from behind a big skyscraper and it starts like, chasing me with his teeny little arms and his huge head. And I'm like, what? what? What's going on? So I'm like running away from this thing. But as I'm running, I feel like I can't get anywhere. Like I'm trying to run really fast. I'm like looking back like, oh my gosh, he's getting closer. He's getting closer. And I'm running and it's like, I'm not going anywhere, but this thing is getting closer to me and I don't know what to do. So it's almost like this, this Jurassic Park scene in, in the mirror, the classic thing, you know, where the, the T-Rex is getting closer and closer and I can't get away. And I don't know why this was, but this is how my dream was. I don't know if you've ever had a dream like that where you're trying to get away from something. You can't get traction. It's like your Bugs Bunny running away from, from something and your legs are just like doing that thing, you know? <laughs> um, I guess I'm the only one that watches Bugs Bunny. But anyway, so I can't get away from this thing and I don't know what to do. So it's it's just like I feel stuck. Like I just can't get traction. I can't get going. I can't move forward. And I thought about this and, of course, being... Uh, somewhat of a pastor that I am, I had to apply it to, you know, a daily principle of my life. So what I was thinking was, this has honestly happened to me so many times throughout my life, throughout my spiritual walk, because I've been trying, there's times where I've been trying to just pursue Jesus. I've been trying to, you know, get better at waking up earlier so that I can spend time with God before my day or um, just deciding people to hang out with, whatever it may be. I've in my life, have tried to press forward in my relationship with God, and there have been times where I felt like I was getting absolutely nowhere. There was times where I was just stuck in this one place, like like on a plateau, um, and I just couldn't seem to get to that next level that I was pursuing. And and I was trying, I, I would try to figure out why this was. So I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, or if you've ever felt like you can't get to the next level in your faith, whether you, you, you're stuck or whatever it may be, you're trying really hard to just press through and you're trying to pursue God in a new and in a fresh way, but you just feel like you can't get anywhere. Like you don't understand why, but you just can't move forward. And so I don't know if you're like me in that way. I don't know if you've ever dealt with this, whether you're dealing with it now or in the past, whatever it may be, but I just want to shed light on that with you guys today. All right. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. So there's these two comparisons that I found in scripture that really um, hit me because it almost I almost saw myself in these stories. There's a, a picture of a young man and then a picture of a woman that we're going to look at in the scripture. So if you want, you can open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to read from starting in verse 17. So Mark 10, 17. And uh, on the screen, I have the New Living Translation, in case you wondered. Uh, I think it's really easy to read, really easy to understand, so that's why I like to preach with that translation. Um, but just to give you a preface here, this is what's happening in this story. So Jesus and his disciples, they're preaching in different towns, just going around, spreading the gospel. And so they are uh, moving forward to Jerusalem at this point. And as they're walking to Jerusalem on this road, this young man runs up to them, um, really eagerly, and he runs up to Jesus, and this is where we're at, all right? So, as Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Just pause real quick. I think it's really interesting. Um, as I was reading this, it seems like as as you're reading this little part, that this, this uh, young man, he almost has like a little bit of like a chip on his shoulder. Like, he comes up to Jesus, he's like, good teacher. Like, he's saying, I think you're the man. 
you should like me because I'm sucking up to you. <laughs> That's kind of what the, the vibe I got going. So as we continue reading that, you can kind of feel that. So he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Then Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. The only, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not falsely testify. You must not cheat anyone and honor your father and mother. So teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So Jesus, looking at the man, he felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So I don't know if you're familiar with this story. Uh, commonly, it's called the story of the rich young ruler. But see, this man, he came up to Jesus. He was really eager to see him. He, it says he ran up to him and he knelt down before him. And he said, basically, I have done all these good things in my life. So do I get to go to heaven now? And Jesus is saying, you need to go and sell all of your possessions and then come and follow me. And see, this isn't like a directly applicable thing necessarily. I'm not telling you today that you need to go home and you need to sell your house, all your possessions, your car, everything, just because that's how you get to heaven. That's not, that's not what we're talking about today. But Jesus saw that this man had this one thing that was in the way of his relationship with God. There was one small thing. See, he was a good man. He was doing all these really good things, but there was one thing that he was not willing to give up to God, and that was his possessions. So Jesus saw that in him, and because of that, that's why Jesus told him, go and sell your possessions, because he knew that was the one thing that was keeping him from Jesus. So the next story that I want to share with you is in Luke. So the book of Luke, chapter 7, um, this story Jesus is sitting with a man in his house. So this man's name is Simon. He is a Pharisee. He is a, a religious leader of the time. He knows scripture front and back, left and right. He knows pretty much everything there is to know about the scripture. And he invites Jesus to his house because there was a lot of like turmoil between Jesus and, and the Pharisees at this time because they didn't really like what Jesus was doing. He was kind of shaking things up a little bit too much and they weren't really down with that. So this Pharisee invites Jesus over to his house, and, and it's interesting because he kind of like disrespects him in a lot of ways, just in their culture. Like he, he walks in, usually it's customary for someone to wash the feet of a guest because their feet get all nasty and dirty from the sand way back in the day, and, and things like that. Like he'll give him a, the seat of honor, but Simon doesn't do any of these things. So Jesus can kind of tell he's not really respecting him. Like he's just inviting him for some hidden motive. But we look at this story, Luke chapter 7. Verse 36, and, and, and it says that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. See, whenever the scripture says a certain immoral woman, I researched it a little bit. I was like, what does that mean? I don't call people immoral in my culture today. So I wanted to understand what that really meant. And as I, what I found was that basically this woman was a prostitute, right? She was someone who made money just going out and having sex with people everywhere. So that's what her income was, all right? So she's a prostitute. So in that time, that was very, very much frowned upon, even more so than it, than it is now. And, and so this woman, a prostitute, comes in, and she dumps all this expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. So then it says that she knelt behind him at his feet weeping. 
Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and pouring the perfume on them. And when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he's thinking this right now. He's, he's thinking, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. But then, this is so cool. Jesus answered his thoughts, it says. So Jesus could tell what he was thinking. And he says, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. So Simon says, go ahead, teacher. So I'm going to pause. I'm going to give you like the brief uh, paraphrase here. So I'm not uh, just reading a ton of scripture today. But what Jesus says to him is there are two men. He shares this parable. There's two men. One owes 500 shekels. The other owes 50. And they go to this king. And the king is the one who who, who deserves this money, all right? Because he lent it out to them. And he, he they go to this king. And the king says, uh, like, where's my money? They're like, I don't have your money. So the man with 500, the man with 50, neither of them have their money. And the king says, it's all good. I got it taken care of. Don't worry about it. Your debt is is cleared. You don't have to pay me back. So they're both like, awesome. So they're really excited about it. And so Jesus asks him, who do you think is more grateful, the man who had to pay back 500 or the man who had to pay back 50? So this is kind of the story that he tells to Simon. And then it picks up here in verse 47. Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Ah, that's so beautiful. I love that, that, that these Pharisees, very arrogant people, they're like, who does this guy think he is trying to forgive sins? But Jesus is just showing love to this woman, this woman who comes in bursting in like she's uninvited. This is probably pretty risky, but she bursts into this house because she knows Jesus is there and she doesn't care what anyone has to say about it. She bursts into this house and just kneels before the feet of Jesus in honor and respect to him and washes his feet with her hair and her tears and dumping this expensive perfume on his feet. It's a beautiful moment. So Jesus sees her heart in that moment, and he honors her, and he blesses her for that and tells her, because you have believed in me, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. So what can I learn from Jesus' interaction with these two people today? And I say, what can I learn? Because honestly, I'm preaching to myself a whole lot today. As I was writing this throughout the week, I was thinking, like, what can we learn from this? But really, I feel like the Holy Spirit hit me and was like, what can you learn from this, Aaron? Because I'm I'm just trying to say what God's saying to me to you guys. So I'm just a vessel, so it's going boom, boom, like that. So I'm like, I'm like a little bit of a reflector here, all right? I just want to say what God is trying to say to you today, and he's saying a whole lot of it to me too. So what can I learn today from Jesus' interaction with these two people? And the first is this, that Jesus wants you as you are. He wants you as you are. And I say this because I have struggled with this time and time again where I feel like I have to do something before I approach God. I feel like I have to clean my life up before I approach him and, and talk to him about the things that I need or before I even have a relationship with him. I feel like a lot of times I'm like, I'm struggling with this thing here. So once I clean this up, once I overcome this struggle, then I will go ahead and I will pursue Jesus. Then I will go ahead and pray to him on a regular basis. But you see, that is a trap that 
I feel like the devil just lies to us about. It's a, it's a trap that I think so many people fall into because um, I've heard that time and again. Like People are like, yeah, I'll come to church whenever I get my life a little bit cleaned up. It's like, no, that's what the church is for. You don't have to get your life and your stuff together before you pursue Jesus because that's what he is, that's what he is here for, right? I, I, I always like to say that, um, that I make a lousy Christian because I'm not the one that makes myself a Christian. Jesus is the one that does that because Jesus is the one that makes me pure. He's the one that makes me righteous. has nothing to do with what I am capable of because I'm just a, a crazy little uh, dude here on the earth not really knowing what's going on, but Jesus is the one that has made me pure and righteous. So it's not what you do. Jesus wants you as you are. Because you can't make a difference in the amount of love that God shows to you because the Bible says his love is unconditional. So if his love is unconditional, that means it can't get any higher, it can't get any lower. No matter what you do, it stays the same. So if you realize that today, then you will know that no matter what you do, Jesus is still going to love you the same. So this rich man, he thought he would walk up to Jesus and be like, how's it going, Jesus? I followed all the commandments since I was young. You know, he's like, I'm the man, so I can get to heaven, right? But Jesus saw his heart, and he saw that there was this one thing that he was holding back. And and he wanted him, as he was, just to follow him. He said, this is, what I, this is what I need from you. Just give, give everything to me, and then you can follow me. Uh, and in Romans 4, I, I read this, this scripture throughout the week. I thought it was really cool that this idea that I'm talking about of righteousness. So basically it says that if we were made righteous by our works, then it's like we would be owed the righteousness. It says the Bible tells us that Jesus died for us. He gave us a free gift of righteousness, but... If, if it had to do with our works, that would mean that Jesus owed it to us. But Jesus, he doesn't owe us anything. He has given it to us for free. So if you think about that, you don't, he doesn't owe you anything because it has nothing to do with the works that you have done. And then the other thing that I thought that we could learn from this interaction that Jesus had with these people is that Jesus always has and always will forgive you. So it doesn't matter whether you're dealing with some really intense addictions or or you're dealing with a whole lot of shame or whatever you have done. It doesn't matter if it's something really big, really intense in your mind, or if it's something just as small as lying to your mom because you want a cookie before dinner, you know? It doesn't matter because Jesus will always forgive you. And and throughout the week, I was listening to uh, this really cool song. Uh, at work, a lot of times I like to just listen to some worship music because it, it, it just kind of helps me relax a little bit, just stay focused, and it helps me kind of remember um, and just think about what God's been doing in my life, and it's really encouraging to me. So I like to do that and um, listen to this song, and it was really cool because it wasn't actually a written part of the song. It was just like a spontaneous moment that they happened to record because it was like a live a live album, and, and what this artist said, what this worship leader said, she just simply sang your mercies are new every morning. And it was so beautiful because I've heard that so many times in my life. I don't think I've ever really, really like understood that, even though I've heard it time and time again. But in that moment, I was just kind of like working. I was zoned out a little bit. And she said, your mercies are new every morning. And as soon as she said that, I was like, whoa, that is so beautiful because God tells us that every single day, his mercy is new. So it doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what, you, what you've done in your life. Every single day, God's mercies are new. There's, it's not like you're like, all right, I'm good. I'm forgiven. I'm righteous. I'm good to go. And then it's like, crap, I slipped up. Well, 
I guess I'll just have to wait a couple more weeks and then I'll feel good again. But no, the Bible says that his mercies are new every single morning for you. So no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going to do, his mercy is there for you. His mercy is new every single day. So please, please remember that. Uh, And then finally, Jesus sees your heart. So I think it's funny that as humans, we think that we can hide from God. We think that we can like hide these little things in our heart. We can keep them from him and be like going to church, raising my hands and worship, closing my eyes, looking the part. But then we think this little thing that we're dealing with, it's like, yeah, as long as I worship really hard, as long as I pray a lot, God won't really see this part of me. But let me tell you, he will. All the way back in, in, in the Old Testament, in the Garden of Eden, I was thinking about this, that that's probably one of like the first things that man did whenever, whenever sin came into the world. You see that Adam and Eve were like, oh crap, I sinned. There's God. Let's go hide over here. And then God was just like, you serious? You really think you can hide from me? <laughs> it's almost comical to think, but we do that all the time, right? We're always trying to hide these little things. Um, so God, he knows if you're real or not. That's something that challenges me a lot. So I, I, want, I always try to make sure that, that I'm just an open book for him. I try to really think about the things that I'm struggling with and dealing with, whether it's good or bad. Uh, I'm, I tend to be very blunt in my prayers. Sometimes um, <laughs> I should probably be European to say this because they have a good excuse, but my European preacher friends, a lot of times they'll be like, sometimes I just have, have to have a good cursing with God. I have to get in my car and just start screaming at him and just telling him. And, and God, he's our father, all right? So this isn't a theological concept by any means. And hopefully this doesn't really get out too far because I might get in trouble for saying it. But sometimes you just got to get in your car and scream a little bit because you're really frustrated, right? And see, God, he doesn't, he doesn't think any less of you for it. I think, honestly... Let me just let me just say this. I won't say it again ever. <laughs> but I think God appreciates that in a little bit because he appreciates your honesty. He appreciates you just coming straight to him and just going nuts a little bit, you know? Sometimes you just got to do that to get your anger out a little bit. And God, he sees you where you are and he wants to be there for you and to help you and fight for you. So, in these two stories, I see the rich young man, he's trying to kind of cover that idea that he doesn't want to let go of his possessions. So he's coming to God and telling him all the good things that he's done, but yet he doesn't want to let go of, of these things he has. But Jesus, he still sees that. That's the one thing, isn't that funny? The one thing that he's holding back, that's the one thing Jesus calls him out on. That's going to happen to you all the time if you, if you try to hide it from him. He sees what you, what you need to give to him. And then in the other story of the prostitute, he knew what she was going through. He knew that she was just open to him. He knew that as she ran in unannounced into this this room where they were eating dinner, she just went in there very rudely, I'm, I'm sure, and just started washing his feet. He saw her heart. She didn't give a crap what these people thought of her. She wanted to come in and bless Jesus, and that's what she did. And Jesus saw that, and that's why he said, your sins are forgiven, and go ahead. So with all these things that, that I've been sharing with you, the big idea that I want to share with you today is this, that, that Jesus gave everything, so I must give everything. So Jesus gave everything on the cross 2,000 years ago. He literally gave his life for you. He gave everything he had. He was, he was in heaven, and he decided to come to earth for 30 years or so to preach the gospel, to minister to us, to love us, to show us his, his love in a very tangible way. 
to show us how to live our lives. He left paradise. He left perfection to come to earth because he loved you. And then he gave himself on a cross, the most brutal death that he could possibly give to us because he wanted you to know that he loved you. So Jesus gave us everything, so we need to give him everything in return. We can't do it the way he did, I can assure you that. I've tried, and I'm never going to be perfect, but I know that Jesus tells me that he will make me perfect in his eyes. If I'm pursuing him, if I'm trying my best, he will help me, and he will make me perfect in his eyes. So I always want to strive for perfection, although I won't get it until I'm in heaven, but I will always strive for it. So it took me a, a lot of time really to understand this, I think. It took me some time to apply this to my life. Um, again, I always hear things so many times throughout my life. Just I've been blessed to grow up in a Christian home. I've been blessed to be going to church throughout my life. But even then, it doesn't matter if you've gone to church once or you've gone to church hundreds of times as, as I have. You still learn a whole lot, and you still have struggles. You still go through things. And... It took time for me to understand what it really means to give him everything. Because, see, I lived a really great Christian lifestyle. I knew what it was like to to be a Christian. I knew how to make the leaders in my church think that I was the man, just like this rich young ruler did. But there were some things that I would hide throughout my life. And, and several years ago, this was really difficult for me. And I thought it would be cool to share this with you today. I really like to just get myself out there with you guys because I want you to really trust me. I want you to understand that I'm just like you. I go through struggles. I go through temptations. I deal with stuff all the time. It doesn't make me any different from you just because I'm allowed to stand past this black curtain here. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, we all deal with the same thing. So a couple years ago, <clears throat> well, I guess more like several a couple's like two, I guess. Several's like a little bit more. So we'll go with several. But um, I was in high school and in, in the beginning stages of college. And I really struggled a whole lot just with sexuality. I struggled. It was very secret. None of my friends really knew about it except for the closest ones. But um, whether it was a high school girlfriend um, or when I was in college, actually, whenever I was dating my incredible wife, um, we I dealt with sexuality on a very regular basis. And it was something I knew was wrong. It was something that I knew that I shouldn't be doing because as I've read the scriptures, as I've studied throughout my life, I know that God has intended for sex to be part of a marriage because um, that commitment that you have, just as Jared talked about last week, the commitment that you have in that marriage, it, it is really what binds it all together. The Bible says that the two become one because of this this act. Whenever you're sexually active with someone, your spirit actually aligns together. It's very theological. It's a little bit deep, so we're not going to get too much into it. But but this is what I've learned throughout my life, and I didn't really care enough. I was like, you know what? This girl's really hot, <laughs> so I'm just going to go for it. And uh, so I dealt with that a lot um, my late high school days and my early college days. And at the same time, it's interesting because I was playing in worship teams. I was, you know, pursuing Jesus as much as I could. And this is where that picture comes from of Bugs Bunny trying to run forward, right? I was trying so hard to push through this, uh, my, my spiritual life. I was trying to push past 
where I was and I was trying to get to that next level, but I couldn't get anywhere because I had this looming thing here all the time, just, just hanging out there in the back of my mind and it just destroyed me. And it took time. It took a lot of like, I tried to like self-motivate myself a lot and stuff and try to like set up boundaries and things, but it didn't really work because what I realized was that I just got to like give it to God. I got to give it to the Holy Spirit. And I was really nervous for some reason to just talk to God about it. I was nervous to speak to him and tell him, God, I'm struggling with this. I need your help. But when I did that, it was amazing. See, about three or four years ago, I was actually listening to one of my friends preach a message in a small group setting. And I have no idea what his message actually was about. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that time, and he said, if you want to experience the fullness of me, if you want to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need to give me everything you have. And when he said that to me, it really hit me. Every single part of my life. See, I was giving about 99%, and then that 1% was right here. And, and it felt like I wasn't really giving anything at that point. It didn't matter that 99% was on the table for him and the 1% was for me. Because what I was doing was I grabbed the 99%, well, I, I gave God the 99%, right? And then that little 1%, it was in my hand. And what God wanted me to do was to take it from my hand and give it to him, right? He wanted me to take it and give it over to him because if I give him everything, he told me that, that this is whenever your life can be transformed by me. So, oh man, this is just such a hard thing to grasp, right? This is a difficult thing for, for I think, any human really to understand to do. It took a whole lot of faith for me, but what I did was, in that moment, I decided I'm going to do this. I'm all in right now. So, it was really hard, and this this challenge, the Holy Spirit really challenged me. I felt very strongly that he said to me, I want you to take one month one month and I want you to take that time and really pursue me. Press into me. He said, take your relationship, put it on hold for a minute. And for one month, I don't want you to talk to your soon to be wife. I don't want you to communicate with her because I want her and I want you to really fix this. I want you guys to pursue me and to press into me and see what I will do in your life personally and in your life and your relationship. And I was so nervous because I was like, oh my gosh, I have to tell Mary this. What am I going to do? I was like, she's going to hate this. <laughs> and honestly, we both did. Um, we both really were not down with it, but I felt very strongly that the Holy Spirit told me this. So I just stepped out in faith and I decided, all right, God, if you really want me to do this, I will do it. And see, this is what happened. Everything changed for me at that point. I think the moment that I stepped out and decided to do that, I think God was really pleased. I think that he saw where my heart was. He saw that I wanted to pursue him. He saw that I was willing to give everything to him. And in that moment, that's whenever he changed my life. Because before, see, I felt stuck in one place. I felt stuck in my, my faith. I felt stuck. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know how to take that next step. But uh, I also felt like it was really hard for me to hear from the Holy Spirit. I couldn't really like communicate with God very well. It was like hard because when I would pray, it's like I just kind of heard silence. Like I didn't really know what to do or what to say. And I wasn't very bold. And it's almost as if like you're a little kid going up to your father. When you know that you did something wrong, you're going to go up to him reluctantly and be like, 
hey dad how's it going <laughs> can i have 20 bucks and then he's he's probably gonna i don't know like maybe your dad doesn't know what you did or not but you're gonna be very reluctant about it all right but after i made this decision i had such an amazing peace in my life there were things that i had to deal with because of this this decision this poor choice that i had made there were some consequences involved but there's nothing like the the peace of God that is just overwhelming. There's nothing like feeling his presence and being able to speak to God and have that connection with him. So I went from being like very uh, passive in my faith and I went from being very bold. So I was able to approach God like like if you're a kid and you did all your chores and you you're you're like yeah I'm good like I've been doing I've been doing good I'm not holding anything back from you and then you can go up to your dad and be like hey dad give me twenty dollars and then I mean <laughs> I'm not gonna try to compare God with a dad but I don't know that's the best thing I could come up with um, God will give you a whole lot more than twenty bucks just throwing that out there um, so I just want you to understand this that before I just felt very uh, stuck. And then afterward, I felt like, boom, like I was catapulted into the next level in my faith. And it's beautiful. Like, this is where I am today. If it weren't for that, I have no idea where my life would be. But after that, I was able to hear from God. I, I worked for a while. I felt like God told me to go into the ministry school. Um, God called me to this incredible place. And then now I'm up here like preaching to you guys, right? And I think that it is because I decided years ago to make a decision to give God everything that I had. So who knows what's going to happen? I had literally no idea. I didn't think that I would even be a part of ministry in any way. But here I am because God, he does what he wants. It's, it's kind of awesome. So I want to challenge you with this thought. Don't give your most to God like I did. Don't give your most to God. Give your all to God. See, like I said, that last 1% can seem like 100% because it's that one little tiny thing that's holding you back, and God wants you to give everything to him. And when you do that, your life will be transformed. So I want to challenge you. Take a step of faith in these different areas of your life. Take this step of faith realizing this is what God says to me today. If you feel like in your heart just a little bit of like, I don't know, it might be like a churning or like maybe your heart's beating a little bit faster, I think that's really... That's a lot of ways how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He'll speak to me and tell me, hey, I want you to take this step of faith. So I challenge you guys, take this step of faith, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in relationships with your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it may be, whether it's through temptations that you're facing, and, and, and just personally, whether it be the time that you're giving to God, whether it be your finances that you give to God, whatever it is, I want to challenge you to take that step of faith and give it to God 100% because I know that God will transform your life whenever you do that in amazing, amazing ways. So why should I care about all this? Why should Aaron Ashton care? Why should Encounter Church care about all these things that I've been speaking about today and throughout this series? And I think that, first off, God wants to use you to change the world. God doesn't just call specific people in this on this earth to change the world. He wants to use everybody. He wants to use those who are caught up in addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, whatever it is, he wants to use everybody. And in order to do that, you need to step out in faith. You need to step out and give him everything that you have. If I have to give everything that I have to anyone in this world... I think it would be God because 
God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's got a really good track record for, for people who have given him everything, right? So it's honestly, even though it does sound really scary, even to me still, whenever you do it, I promise you, you will be blessed in amazing ways. And then also, I feel like I should care because when you give God everything, he will have his hand of blessing on everything in your life. Also, you will be able to hear from him more clearly. And then finally, it will launch you into the adventure that you were made for. See, God has a calling for all of us. He has a will placed on every one of our lives. And it is such an adventure. It's amazing because for me, um, I am tech, like, I guess usually I, I, I kind of resort to like the adventure lifestyle. Like I, when I was young, was like, I'm probably not going to live in Pittsburgh my whole life. I don't want to just live in the same place, work nine to five every day and then retire. I don't really, I'm not really down with that. Like I want to do something really exciting and fun with my life. So living your life for Jesus, as Peter Pan said, would be an awfully big adventure because I could be stuck in that place still. I could be just doing what I thought was cool and then pursuing God a little bit here and there. But what I am doing today is I am pursuing him with everything that I have. I'm pursuing him with 100%. And now, whether it's in my workplace, I can speak to people whenever the Holy Spirit tells me, hey, go encourage that guy. He's having a rough day. It's like, all right, I'll go do that. And when you do that, it's amazing to see the face of someone light up whenever you share something God has shared with you to give to them. Also, it goes from your workplace all the way to across the world. I was just in Africa a couple of weeks ago pursuing God and sharing the gospel with people who had never heard about it before and, and praying for people who were sick and blind, deaf and mute, and then being healed in the name of Jesus. Amazing things will happen in your life if you take that step of faith. So I just wanted to kind of close out today. Um, Matt and Jason, you guys can even head up and play a little music for me if that's cool. Um, but as I close it out, I wanted to share this this with you today. So throughout the week, there is a little devotional that I was uh, exposed to, and I thought it was just perfect for everything that God was speaking to me today. So um, it's, it's a picture on here. That's why I couldn't like write it out and stuff. But um, so... As I close out today, I just want to encourage you guys to really zone in right now, all right? Just kind of listen to me a little bit here. So if, if you're all right with it, I just want you to close your eyes, um, you know, whether you want to bow your heads or whatever, it's cool. But I want you really to let this sink into your minds today, all right? So this is what it says. <clears throat> it says, it's like God speaking to us. It says, let my love seep into the inner re recesses of your being. Do not close off any part of yourself from me. I know you inside and out, so do not try to represent or present a quote-unquote cleaned up self to me. See, wounds that you shut away from the light of my love will fester and become wormy. Secret sins that you hide from me can split off and develop lives of their own, controlling you without realizing it. Open yourself fully to my transforming presence. Let my brilliant love light search out and destroy hidden fears. This process requires time alone with me as my love soaks into your innermost being. Enjoy my perfect love, which expels every trace of fear. Joyfully receive the forgiveness I bought for you with my own blood. As you walk in the light with me, 
there is a continual cleansing work going on within you. This purifying work of my blood helps you stay close to me and to others who walk in my light. God just wants us to give everything to him. He says his mercies are new every single day, so you don't have to worry what you have done or what you haven't done. All he wants is you. He just wants everything. He wants to help you in your life. He wants to fight with you in your life. He wants to take you to a new level of your faith. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.